0: All right, another afternoon, another Friday afternoon, and Health Naturally. And uh, Dennis, great to be seeing your smiley face again. Good afternoon.
1: It's very good to see you, Mark. I missed you, and uh, you're back. That's good. Our ratings will go (laughs) through the roof. (laughs) You just want nothing but wall to wall course, hopefully.
0: (laughs) We'll see where we go. But um, Dennis, a while ago, you did mention uh, the herb ginkgo, and uh, you want to take a look at that today.
1: Look, I consider ginkgo one of the most important medicinal herbs, but yet still. relatively unknown. It is distinctly a medical herb and I want to talk this morning about the way in which in Europe it's prescribed medically to address particularly serious conditions associated with aging and other conditions that benefit from the way in which it improves blood flow and addresses. Uh, even conditions such as macular degeneration. They're conditions that are popular. They're conditions that are managed in our society. But ginkgo, as yet, as far as I'm aware, is not seen in in our system of medicine as being worthwhile to factor in to the treatment of those conditions.
0: I'd say widespread yes, popular no. You're probably right, (laughs) Mark.
1: All right. Look, it's a, a fascinating herb, and the reason I wanted to mention it today is that I still don't think Uh, listeners or practitioners of all sorts of medicine uh, uh, appreciate the potential that it can offer. Ginkgo is one of the, well, it is the oldest plant known on the planet. It comes from a previous uh, geological era. And the uh, herb or the tree, because it is a tree, and if one looks for it, one finds it growing around here. I drove through Chinaman's Hollow this morning And there's a good example of ginkgo biloba tree growing in Chinaman's Hollow. It is the leaf of ginkgo biloba that contains the therapeutic principle. It has a history that goes back a long way in China, where it has been used, perhaps differently to the way we use it today. But its discovery in the West was brought about as a result of plant uh, chemists, if you like, in Germany, analysing the leaf of the of the of the tree and locating in it some interesting substances varied as, as much as they uh, as they are but particularly a group of what are known as flavonoids and uh, they did work with this and found out that the concentrated uh, extract of the leaf of the ginkgo tree had remarkable benefits particularly uh, uh, dealing with 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 aging and circulation and hence Uh, The Germans led the world in making this knowledge known about the ginkgo extract uh, medicinally available. And the reputation of ginkgo in medicine, in my opinion, started with the work of German pharmacy, the work of uh, German doctors prescribing it, and it is still a very popular medication prescribed in Germany. Whereas prior to the Second World War, as far as I'm aware, there was no Western country using herb, and even the way we use the herb today is somewhat different to the way in which it was used in Chinese medicine. You've mentioned
0: that twice Mm. now, Dennis. What is it that the Chinese were doing different than that we're not doing or doing differently?
1: What What the Chinese was doing was using the fruit of the herb. And the fruit of the herb, you've got to be very cautious because it can be a very strong allergen. So whereas the fruit was the basis of the Chinese use, of the tree, the leaf became the part that was examined by the German scientists, uh, German pharmacists, and it is very, very safe, albeit, I'll make some comments later, about the need for some caution as far as using this, and I call it a potent medicinal herb. And I wonder, this is very controversial what I'm going to say, I wonder whether really, it should be so freely available, particularly from uh, sources where the selling of it may not be done with the knowledge that, in my opinion, really needs to be there in doing justice to the potential of the herb and the safety of it. Now, I'm not saying this against any particular outlets. All I'm saying is, if people are going to take up the use of the ginkgo and uh, base some of their use of it on the knowledge and the the ideas that I'm going to bring out this morning, it would be better to go uh, to a pharmacy or a health food store where you had a competent uh, natural therapist who would be able to give advice on it, rather than just take something off the shelf. Because ginkgo, ginkgo can potentially um, cause problems, particularly with people that are on blood thinning medication.
0: All right, we'll keep all of that in mind and get back to it. Good afternoon, Gail at Harrington. Uh, you actually have a Ginkgo question for, get, for Dennis today, Gail.
2: Yeah, I do. Thank you very much.
1: Hello, Gail.
2: Um, Dennis, I, I have a um, history of dementia in our yes, family. Yes, yes. And um, I spoke to my doctor about, yes. about about 10 years ago. Yes, yes. And um, he told me to take one Ginkgo a day mm. with one megaphol with one megafol
1: megafol yes okay
2: yeah
1: uh, well i'm not familiar with the megafol um, recommendation but
2: citric um, acid tablet.
1: yes well that, that that's that's fine um, i'm not uh, aware of any contribution that it it would make uh, okay. to managing um, aging syndromes but certainly with the ginkgo I applaud him for acknowledging that it does have potential benefit in addressing particularly what we refer to or, and what's referred to in the literature as cognitive deficiency or cognitive decline. And that's a very common syndrome that you you would know a bit about. Um, yes. The only thing that I would say, and I already have touched on this a little bit today, is that the use of ginkgo needs to be done with the knowledge of A, its indications, B, its safety, and thirdly, the dosage required to get a benefit from it. Now, I'm of the opinion, and I'm looking at a reference here that I used when I was lecturing years ago, a pharmacy text entitled Herbal Medicine, A Guide for Healthcare Professionals by three of Britain's leading academic pharmacists. And when you look at the the dosage for what's called cognitive deficiency, the recommendation there is 120 to 240 milligrams of the extract in two or three divided dosages. Now, you you may well be doing something like that, but it might be worthwhile mentioning that information to your GP. I believe he, he needs to be applauded because uh, part of my campaign is to make this herb better known because of its broad spectrum ability to address conditions which are difficult to address in the, well, in the context of mainstream medicine. I would say he's on the money, but the dosage factor, the dosage factor in the use of ginkgo in in, in all conditions, but particularly in what is called up in this text as Cognitive deficiency, which is a nice way of saying uh, losing a bit of memory and uh, recalls not as good. There, the dosage, and I quote it again, is 120 to 240 milligrams of the dry extract in two to three doses um, spread across the day. Pass that on to him, and um, just mention the text. I was wanting to uh, mention this in the program for pharmacists and. Uh, general practitioners and indeed natural therapists who are interested in making better use of this herb uh, I'll go slowly so that you might be able to just quickly jot it down, I don't want to turn it into an academic program but a book that's hard to beat with, a modern, with reference to modern herbal medicine is a book entitled Herbal Medicine, A Guide for Healthcare Professionals by three, as I've said, of British, three British uh, uh, great pharmacists Barnes, Anderson and Philipson. Mention that. Uh, Any any pharmacist or GP that is really interested in in a text that is academically sound, written by three of Britain's best academic um, um, pharmacists, that is the one to have. Mention that to your doctor. But again, for listeners that are interested in making sure that Ginkgo is going to work for them, I have a lot of uh, people say to me, when I prescribe it to them in my practice, oh, look, I've tried ginkgo before, but when you see how they've tried it and what dosage they've used, they may as well have been just taking a sort of a um, a bit of lolly or something like that because the the ginkgo is a very active remedy. That's why I've hinted that it needs to be used rather uh, cautiously and knowledgeably.
2: Dennis, my dose
1: is um, one a day, 5,000 milligrams. Do you think that's too much? Uh, look, I, it's better for me not to comment on what's been <laughs> prescribed uh, by your good doctor. I have given you what is called up here in the, uh, the text. Just write that down because there's a, a difference from what you've said and what I'm going to say. 120 okay. to 240 milligrams...
2: 120 to to 240 240
1: milligrams of the dried extract. Now, of the dried extract, that means the ginkgo biloba is based on a particular extract which contains 24% of a particular active chemical. Now, your doctor would understand that, um, Mm -hmm. so that's better to pass that on to him that it it is the ginkgo biloba extract with a 24% presence of the active principle spread across the day in dosages of 120 to do 40 milligrams if uh, you want more information or indeed if your gp wants more information he can contact me in my rooms at new Land, and i'd happily give it free of charge
0: best of luck with everything there for you gail dennis before we move on we were talking about ginkgo and its potency of being a very potent herb yes, but yes. one thing we've noticed with the discussions so far is that uh, as with everything else dosage is everything
1: Particularly with this herb, mm. particularly with this herb. Um, it, it it differs from many herbs in as much that the scientific work done on the ginkgo uh, has been very, very conclusive that the active principle in the concentrated extract it, it needs to be there in a level that can explain the benefits observed from it. Now, many traditional herbs don't have that specific uh, definition as to the active chemicals in it. Not that they don't work, but Mm. with the ginkgo, it is different, it is a modern rendition of modern herbal medicine that has produced the product which is used for very medical conditions uh, and as such needs to be cautiously and knowledgeably prescribed, as I have said.
0: Um, in terms of anti-aging, because you've yeah, sort of touched yeah, on it a little bit, yeah, and, and that is a, a claim that yeah, we hear a little bit, yeah. how valid is that? Am I going to look beautiful and 20 again? Or, well, Mark, mark you, don't,
1: you <laughs> don't look too bad now, so I wouldn't get, wouldn't get too, Not bad just, for 87, too worried about it, mate. Uh, but look, a, a lot of people uh, scoff at that concept. Mm. I have, even on this program with you, argued that the whole process of ageing can be fought against and I believe very strongly from traditional medicines around the world, there is evidence to suggest that the ageing process can be withstood or uh, fought better than just uh, just taking it on the chin. Now, ginkgo has sustained uh, a good academic rigorous examination, and even under this discussion of cognitive deficiency, which is a, a, a good indicator, if you like, of, of ageing conditions, it has come out very positive. Mm. And it, 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 that might seem strange to listeners, but in, the, in Europe, for instance, where it is, as I keep saying, popularly prescribed medically, it is prescribed first up for cognitive deficiency. And that, that term, I keep coming back to it, explains what uh, many elderly people experience as they get older, loss of memory. You can call it up under different names, dementia, uh, and maybe uh, down the track, the development of Alzheimer's. Look, there was a professor Rapin, a Spanish professor of medicine, that chaired a conference in New York. I think it was in about 1986. And it was all on the Ginkgo. And he argued in the preface of the, of the papers, the copies of which that I have, that Ginkgo offered one of the best potential remedies to address Alzheimer's and cognitive decline that they knew of at that stage. Now, when you get conferences chaired uh, by academic persons who will talk about it and confirm, as the text that I've mentioned confirms, that it has a role that is demonstrably capable of sustaining, that anyone, and I I promote this strongly, Anyone who is is getting on, if you like, um, should look seriously, look seriously at appending to their their health profile and their health supplements Um, a preparation of the ginkgo biloba as a means of contributing potentially to the maintenance of their memory for the maintenance of their cognitive competency. And you can extend that in whichever way you want. I go as far as to say that if elderly people are not using the ginkgo, they may well be missing out on a potential to do better with cognitive activity than what they, what they presently are.
0: Well, that sounds pretty good. Mm. And good afternoon, Michelle at Cessnock. Michelle, you have an infertility question for Dennis. What's happening, Michelle?
2: Uh, I only wanted to tell Dennis that when I went to see him many, many years ago and he got me a baby girl... And she will be 28 in March.
1: Oh, well done, Michelle. Well I done.
2: Know, I I rang you and I said to you that was when you were coming to Cessna.
1: Yes, yeah, yes. I'm having
2: a baby. I had that tonic.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. The tonic still works, you know.
2: I know, it did. And I rang and I was crying and, you, and I said, I'm, I'm having a baby, Dennis. And he said, well, that's what you want to suggest.
0: Yes. Hang on, Dennis, if you're <laughs> suggesting the tonic still works, are you suggesting Michelle should have another baby? I oh. want to keep
2: trying, <laughs> <laughs> Michelle? I'm too old now.
1: You've got what you wanted anyway, Michelle. Yeah. And, and, you, you was on
2: a couple of weeks ago about that. And
1: yeah, uh, yeah, well, look, it's, yeah? I think it's it's important that these a call like this comes in because Infertility is, is a is a big issue, and many young couples spend a lot of money in trying to fall pregnant and don't, and think that that's the end of it. That's well,
2: exactly right, and well, I'd done everything. Like uh, I was, I went off the pill when I was twenty-one, I didn't get pregnant until I was
1: thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, that's I, up to you, of course. Yeah, well, I, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's of course you.
1: I have to be cautious about how I approach this, but uh, I I think that the the use of what I call uh, the fertility mix, which uh, I have prescribed for about 40 years, um, really needs to be looked at more seriously, even by uh, fertility institutions. Exactly. Uh, the the number, of, uh, the number of young people that uh, present with infertility history, in my opinion, despite the, the benefits of IVF, and you know that I don't put any system down, but no, exactly. the, 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 the point is that there are options... Which the mainstream has yet not embraced, and that is the potential of this system of medicine, yes. with the group of herbs that I now call my fertility mix, and its ability to oh, help yes, many, definitely. many, many couples. So, uh, uh, what what's your daughter doing anyway? Is she? Um...
2: Oh, she's coming home on. Oh, okay. Um,
1: okay, okay. She's
2: living at Bundaberg now.
1: And... Oh, okay. So she went to. The, Queensland, did she? Yeah, she's okay. up there
2: in Queensland.
1: Oh, well, she's coming back to Sessnock, the best place on the planet.
2: I don't
1: know about that. But... Oh, well, come on, come on. You've
2: got to. <laughs> it's <easy>. He has <laughs> his good points, like everywhere else. It
1: has, yeah. Well, look, I've lived up there in Sestnock now for about 25 years, and as far as I'm concerned, she's a good old town.
2: Yeah, she's not bad.
1: But anyway, look, congratulations. No, Thanks. I
2: just wanted to chat a couple of weeks ago, but. Yeah. I'm yeah. So well, I just wanted to yeah, tell you, thanks. you know, like if people are listening yeah. about that sort of thing, if they're having problems.
1: Well, thanks for ringing, you, Michelle. It's very nice to hear from you.
0: Yes, best of luck with everything there, Michelle, and uh, indeed uh, the daughter who's coming back from Queensland. Okay. Good afternoon, Jerry, at Toronto. Uh, you have some questions for Dennis today. What's happening, Jerry?
2: Okay, so I had COVID six weeks ago. Yes. Went to pneumonia. Yes. And from pneumonia now, my asthma is just... I'm um, really flared up. Yes. So I am taking, like I've had four lots of steroids. Yes. I've had antibiotics. Yes. i had antivirals. Yes. Plus I'm doing puffers, which are normal. Yes. And I'm just trying, I need something to just reboot, <laughs> reboot my health.
1: Yeah, look, I'll make a few suggestions here, which um, I think have the potential to help you. What, what your doctor has prescribed is, is correct and, <laughs> and, and, and no circumstances depart part from the advice that he or she has given you. I know that treatment well, but in my opinion, what you need to do now, and I'll put it in loose lay language, is to boost your own resistance mechanisms. Uh, In in medical terms, we would talk about reinforcing your immunology because in our profession, we would say that what you're experiencing is either long COVID or a post-viral syndrome. Now, either, either way, I'm a great exponent of what I consider to be one of the best recovery remedies I've ever introduced into this uh, country, which would be, av- be
2: Astragalus.
1: Astragalus 8. And Ast-
2: I'm taking that.
1: Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> what, what form are you taking it in?
2: I'm taking the liquid.
1: Good girl. Okay. What dose are you using? Um, is it 10 mils three times 10- a day? Well, that's, you probably don't need to take that much. 10 mils a day is a good dose, but... What I recommend with it is that you use a supplement which in the US was used uh, outstandingly even in dealing with active COVID and that is a a combination, a supplement of bromelain and quercetin. Now, bromelain and quercetin, uh, well, bromelain, B-R-O-M-E-L-A-I-N. Bromelain is a pineapple enzyme with significant immunosupportive properties and quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-I. T-I- TIN, is the, uh, one of the leading bioflavonoids. Put that together, which you can u- usually get in one supplement, um, and you've got an ideal companion to the astragalusate, albeit make sure this that you're taking good levels of vitamin C and also an old-fashioned remedy, which... I'm, Um, very keen to to promote, particularly for chronic respiratory conditions, is cod liver oil. Cod liver oil. Now, people hate it, um, but it was a great standby in previous respiratory um, epidemics years ago. It was a standby supplement full of vitamin A, full of vitamin D. Vitamin A, I was taught, was the mucous membrane remedy for the lung. Uh, mm-hmm. cod, cod liver oil with its vitamin A, vitamin D, supported by some vitamin C, say, from your supermarket. The, and your cod liver oil should be available from the supermarket. You take that in conjunction with your astragaloside, your quercetin and bromelin, And as yep. far as I'm concerned, that's a good way of helping your system get back to where it is. Fantastic. Give it a go. Give it a go. All
0: right. Best of luck, Jerry. And a couple more calls to wrap us up today. Good afternoon, David at East Maitland. You have a thyroid question for Dennis
3: David. I do indeed.
1: Hello, David. Uh,
3: Dennis. Um, uh, Dennis, I really appreciate your uh, balanced approach between uh, uh, drug-related therapies and, and herbal therapies. So yes. I, I, I thought I'd ask you this question. Um, yes. My wife has had to undergo um, uh, total Thyroidectomy yes, in the past, yes, uh, because it uh, was found to contain cancer cells. Yes, yes. Uh, she's managed to retain her parathyroids yes, um, and she faithfully takes her thyroxin and uh, yes. had a, a, a very balanced um, response to that. Yes, good. Um, but I'm wondering if there are, in fact, um, herbal uh, s- supplements that would support that, or even if. <sighs> In an absolute emergency, you ran out of thyroxine. Is there something that would at least support uh, the thyroid function for at least some time? What's your thoughts on that?
1: Look, let me just say that I consider the, the medical management uh, for thyroid conditions to be very, very good. My wife, my dear wife, has uh, had thyroid problems basically all of her life, and... Uh, does very well as a result of um, the medical management uh, initially for a thyroid that was was, was overactive uh, and brought back into normality with modern um, medical management by a very good um, therapist here in Newcastle. I, I don't think that there is anything that can compete with the uh, modern management using thyroid supplements or thyroid management. Uh, if a patient, for instance, has early um, hyperthyroid condition, um, there is uh, a couple of traditional remedies that have been used along the way. But that's for an overactive thyroid in its very early state. Um, but outside of that, I don't think there's anything that I would call upon or recommend um, be seen even as an emergency remedy because I'm not sure we have the evidence in traditional medicine even to support that, David.
3: Right. Yeah, no, that's uh, rather what I suspect because you had the expertise. so I,
1: thought well, I'd have... I, I wouldn't say I've had the expertise, but with the thyroid, I've had some interesting... Uh, experiences and uh, even these days with my wife's uh, management of her uh, parathyroid condition, um, I, I monitor it with her and um, and monitor some of the supplements, uh, particularly the phosphorus that's been prescribed uh, for her by her good doctor, um, but uh, the medical use of particular supplements um, to manage a particular thyroid condition that's where i think it comes into play but our system of medicine i urge patients to just say look uh, the the modern management is good Um, stay with that don't look for alternatives because i think you can get into trouble if you do
0: all right we'll try and sneak through our last couple quickly we'll move to claire first at stockton claire you have a question on tick bites and we've got about 60 seconds claire
2: yep yep no I've just got i'm a highly allergic to them, and I've just had a reaction to once and it bit me on my just above my carotid um artery and i'm just and the bruising has gone all the way down my neck and I'm just wondering if there's some medical um or herbal remedy that can um stop the condition for being. Okay. Um,
1: uh, do, do you keep antihistamines at home, Claire?
3: Oh, yeah, I do, yeah.
1: Okay. And with this episode, you managed it adequately with the antihistamine, did you?
2: I didn't this time, but they have put me on antibiotics because yeah. it's so close to
1: yeah. my... Um, Corrottin. Yeah. Okay.
2: So uh, um, they uh, couldn't... They didn't want to slice it, like take it out because of the swelling. It's yeah. the size of a golf ball, yeah, so...
1: Yeah. No. Now look, I would say that in your situation the treatment you're doing is the best and doesn't in in any way at all compromise you. The, The combination of the antihistamine and the following up with an appropriate antibiotic, I don't think you can do better than that and I wouldn't suggest anything from the herbal world because I think in your case it wouldn't be safe to do so.
0: All right. Best of luck with everything, Claire. And sorry we could not get to you, uh, Ken, uh, this afternoon. Dennis, we have uh, run out of time. So what another very, very content-rich, uh, information-rich Hour of Health Naturally today. Well,
1: that's a nice way to wind it up. And uh, yeah, Very well done.
0: All right. You have yourself a fantastic weekend, mate. We'll catch you next Friday from midday. Thank you, mate.